What up, what up? Jimmy Murray here with Frank Patalano, and we are the Cashflow Kings. The Cashflow Kings podcast discusses money, finance, mindset, investing with an emphasis on cash flowing real estate. Thanks for joining the Cashflow Kings, and welcome to our new episode, Burrs with David Dodge. We're here to help you crush your goals. So guys, I was able to meet David Dodge last week, and we realized that he was a guest that we definitely wanted to bring on our podcast. So um, David Dodge is a local real estate investor based out of St. Louis, Missouri. He first started investing when he was in college at the age of 20, which is awesome. I thought that I had started pretty early, but he's got me beat. Um, <laughs> David specializes in wholesaling real estate, as well as teaching others how easy it is to learn how they can wholesale real estate for huge profits too. Uh, so the big story of why we want to bring David on today is he shared a story with me last week about how he has burned 50 properties in the last 18 months. So we'll be really excited to dive into that in the next couple of minutes. David, welcome to the show. Hey guys, thanks for having me. It's, it's great to be here. Let's talk some real estate. So what's it like getting started investing in real estate in college and what did that look like? So I got started when I was, oh man, I guess I was a junior in college and um, I didn't know anything about discounted properties. I didn't know anything about uh, motivated sellers. I just knew that a lot of people that I knew that were wealthy owned real estate. And some of those people did it full time and they were basically professional landlords and they were the wealthiest people that I knew. I mean, I'm talking people that were making three to $400,000 a month, right? And I didn't is... know anybody else that could do that. I mean, doctors and lawyers, I mean, maybe there'd be one or two lawyers in my network that had hit a crazy jackpot, right? But the but the but the the average person couldn't ever achieve that kind of success and wealth. But through real estate, it's really not that hard. It just it takes time, and I'm I'm very patient, and you know I want to get there, and that's the best approach for me to be able to get to you know six figures a month um, consistently, and more importantly, passively. So that's just kind of the approach that I took. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad when I was in college. I actually had a course at the University of Missouri, Columbia, where I went to school um, that was based on the book. So it was cool that's because awesome. my professor owned like 30 properties and he just enjoyed teaching and he would come in monthly with his check and we would write, we would sign the check over to a charity because he was just like the money that I make teaching is is irrelevant. Like I, I'm rich from my real estate. So let's just donate. And it was really, really fun that we got the opportunity to, to do that. So, um, you know, started at 20 and I was a student at school. I went out and met a buddy of mine who's a realtor and we're still partners and friends to this day. And he showed me a four bedroom house and I went to the bank and they were like, you know, you don't have any income really. Cause you worked a couple part-time jobs. So you're going to need to come up with 20% and get a co-signer if you want to buy a house. And I said, all right, cool. So I started asking family members um, if I could borrow 20% and get a co-signer. And my grandparents were just awesome, great people. And they wanted me to succeed. And they were happy that I was in school as well, too. So they said, let's do it. So they lent me the 20% and co-signed. 
and I got a loan for the other 80% and I rented out three of the four bedrooms, lived in one. This is commonly known as house hacking and um, basically paid, you know, the other three people paid the mortgage and the insurance and the taxes. Um, I basically just had some utility costs that was split four ways. And then, you know, what I would earn with my part-time jobs, I would just go to pay back the 20% that, that I got lent to me. And That's I actually awesome. did that uh, twice in college. So moved into the, another home and did the exact same strategy. And, you know, my goal wasn't to make extra double or triple payments or even cash flow a lot at the time. It was just to pay back 20% and then let the rest of the people that rented from me or in the future pay the other 80% off. And that was just kind of the approach that I had. Again, I didn't know motivated sellers or I didn't know discounted properties or wholesaling or any of this stuff. So I basically took that approach and ran with it for 10 years, guys. That's I worked awesome. a bunch of various jobs doing sales and marketing. And I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. So I always had some side gig or even for a couple of years, you know, we had a web development business or just some sort of business. And, you know, about five, six years ago, I said, let's just do this full time. And I jumped in, started reading every book I could get my hands on, all the courses online that I could find, I'd buy and I'd take. And I realized that there was a better way than going about getting a conventional loan, putting down 20%, you know, paying an agent, buying at retail, like all those things can be avoided, right? Right. Like paying retail, paying an agent, you know, um, putting down 20%. Those are three things that are huge hurdles. Right. So you can eliminate all of these things, which is like, whoa, what? So I jumped in and I started marketing to motivated sellers. And by the way, you know, I acquired about 10, maybe even 11 rentals over the first 10 years where I wasn't doing this full time. And to me, it was just a way to park money. I am terrible at saving money, like terrible. Like I spend it so fast that I can't keep my hands on it. And I typically carry a small credit card balance. And I'm not ashamed of it. I just, I know that I have a spending problem. So face it, right? So the best yeah, as long way as for you're, me. As long as you're spending on real estate, then you're fine, right? Just right, keep, exactly. Keep so it to me, it's like anytime I get a chunk of change in my bank, I'm either going to go blow it on some dumb toy that lights up and burns or flies or floats, <laughs> right? So it's like, let's instead just park it in real estate. So that's what I did the first 10 years. I'd save up 15, 20, 25 grand, whatever it would be. And then I would go buy something cash or I'd buy something and get a loan and use that for my 20%. So, you know, jumping back again, I know I'm kind of hopping all over the place, but jumping back to, you know, whenever I said, screw it, let's do this full time. I started learning, reading, taking courses. And I realized that there is this thing called motivated sellers. And there's actually quite a lot of these people out there. And all you got to do to flip a house um, is locate one of these people and offer to help them, offer to provide them a service, which is really just convenience. That's all we do. Right. And, um, and trade that convenience for a discount and demand that you want a discount if you're going to offer convenience. And I started doing that. And essentially, I learned that I didn't need to put money, invest money into buying houses anymore. Instead, I can invest money into marketing for motivated sellers. And then what would happen is I would get great deals that I could, A, keep as rentals, which was the plan from the get-go. 
right. right? At a discount, B, wholesale them and not even have to buy them at all or C, close on them with my money or borrowed money or partner's money and rehab them and have a little fun fixing it up and then selling it retail. So there was so many different options that came from that. And then, you know, you, you guys had mentioned that uh, you wanted to talk about the burst strategy and there's the burst strategy. If you, if you aren't familiar, it's, it's so simple. It's, it's just merely a strategy that you, you, that you can use to acquire a lot of assets very rapidly with little to no money. So it's kind of a long definition, but I'm going to say it again. It's simple. It's a strategy. That's all it is. It's a strategy that allows you to acquire a lot of assets very rapidly with little to no money. I don't know anything else that you can do similar to this to acquire wealth so quickly. Absolutely. So what, what is, it is, what does is BURST stand for? Is it an acronym? Great. Absolutely. So it's an acronym. Yep. It's B with four R's and it stands for buy, renovate or rehab, either one, rent out, then refinance and repeat. So it's very simple. And basically what we are doing is we're buying properties, we're, we're renovating them. So we're adding value. But the key is that you've got to buy them at a discount. It's very hard to add value when you're paying retail. So Absolutely. not only are we buying at a discount, but we're adding value. And basically what we do is we create 20% between the all-in cost and the value. And that's really what we do. So we're buying at a discount. Let's say we, maybe we get a 10 or 15% discount. And then we add some value by rehabbing it. So that brings the discount hopefully above 20% or, or the value above 20%. We're renting it out to show the bank that it's not a vacant property and it doesn't have a cost. Instead, it has income. And then we refinance that property out into a long-term loan that cash flows and allows us to build wealth. And the, the whole goal of Burr is little to no money, right? So basically what we do is we try to buy a property at a discount fix it up and add value. So those two things alone should get us above 20%. But we're borrowing the money to do these things from a private lender or a hard money lender that has 8, 10, 12, sometimes 14% interest. So we're kind of racing the clock here. And that's not a long-term play, paying that kind of interest, right? So we're refinancing to pay all of that money back and hopefully even walk with a little bit or just break even. Like it's crazy to think the goal is to break even. But really, if you break even, that means you have none of your own money invested in this, right? Right. So wholesaling and marketing to motivated sellers is one of my favorite things to do. In fact, I wrote a book on it. It's called The Ultimate Guide to Wholesaling Real Estate. And it even comes with a free course, um, which you guys can find at freewholesalecourse.com. But awesome. wholesaling is just a means to an end. It's a job, right? So I love teaching it. I think everybody should start there. Um, because it gives you lots of options. But to me, it's a means to an end to buy and get those home run steal of a deals on properties that I can fix up, add value, refinance, keep into the portfolio and have somebody else pay off. And typically Absolutely. our goal is zero. Over the last you know, 15 months, we've done this about 50 times and we've averaged leaving in about 1200 bucks into each of these 50 properties. So That's we're incredible. not quite at zero, but we're getting better. And now we're starting to walk away from deals closings with money. So once we get to about 150 is, is really our goal. And probably even once we get to a hundred, but definitely by the time we get to 150, 
we should have zero. Our average should be zero, if not positive, meaning right. that we got paid to buy an asset. And here's the cool thing, guys. We're not just going out and picking up rental properties, and getting them rented and hoping and praying that this is going to work, right? When we buy them, we tenant proof them and we upgrade them and update them. So we really reduce a lot of the CapEx upfront. Now we're gonna have problems in CapEx, everybody will, but we're not gonna have that for three, five, seven, maybe even 10 years on most of the properties that we're buying because we are updating them and making them nice from the get-go. We're making sure that the HVACs, the water heaters, the roof, the windows, the main things are addressed right away. And then we also do a little bit more to tenant proof. Yeah, so that's what I want to hear about. What's the tenant proofing all about, Dave? So it's really simple, guys. I mean, for one, we just use like higher, higher grade, not higher grade, higher quality material. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to spend more money to do this, right? Right. You can get a higher grade or, you know, a higher quality product without a higher cost. Yep. So instead of putting in carpet, we're using like, you know, uh, click together PVC vinyl flooring. They look Perfect. great. They're scratch proof. They're waterproof. We use three-quarter inch drywall typically in the family rooms and the bedrooms and the hallways, you know, if we're doing drywall because it's more sturdy, it's less likely to crack or break or, you know, get a hole in it, right? Um, we stick to the same paints everywhere. So touching up and turnover is easy and it doesn't take a bunch of extra thought. Um, we don't use cheap water fixtures because they leak and break quickly. So we'll spend a little extra money to buy a quality faucet or a quality toilet, right? Um, when it comes to bathrooms and kitchens, we never use ceramic ever because you break one tile after three or four years, you have to replace it. The grout doesn't match. So we basically are always using the same type of flooring. So we basically have a simple palette of color codes and materials that we use. Also, we don't always replace cabinets. Oftentimes, we'll just replace the hardware and we'll paint them unless they're needed. And we just use really, really inexpensive track lighting and or small ceiling fans. We try to add a ceiling fan into every bathroom and into every bedroom. And the ceiling fans are like 50 bucks if you buy them in bulk and you get cheap ones. So we don't really expect them to last multiple years. We just swap them out. And they get dirty and they're gross looking, right? So you just throw them away and replace them. So it's simple things like that that make the property more appealing to view. But they also, you know, will add some, you know, bonuses and some reasons somebody would want to live there. And they don't require us going in and redoing floors every couple years. Um, basically, what we'll go in and do is, you know, paint, change out light fixtures, um, and then maybe swap out cabinets or vanities, you know, every couple years. But again, it brings the cost of the turnover down as well as the capex down because we're we're doing it from the beginning. I I think that that is like the most critical point that you shared today is to spend the capex upfront in the burr method before you go to essentially change your paper on the on the property that you own. Not only mitigate costs, but also get you a higher terminal value when you go to cash out with the bank, right? Absolutely. Um, so here's the thing. Now, here, so let's, let's just do a couple things. Review, burr, buy, renovate, rent, refinance, repeat. In order for this process to work, you kind of got to start at the end in mind. You got to go talk to your bankers. 
You don't want to go get a loan at 14%, buy something, renovate it, get it rented, and then not being able to refinance out. You'd be stuck. Right. So you kind of want to start with your bankers in mind, go to the local banks, something, somebody that may has three, five, as, as, as many as 15, but that's the max number of branches that we like because we don't want them selling off on the secondary market. We want them right. holding the loans in-house portfolio. All right. Really so in important. order to make this process work, there's a lot of moving parts, but it's very simple. So number one, start with the end in mind, get your banking partners and get ready and pre-approved to be refinanced on properties. Let them know what you're doing. So you don't get stuck when you get to that part. Try to start with that part, even though it's the third R with the fourth ones repeat, right? But it's basically the last part. Okay. So number one, think with the end in mind. Number two, you can't add enough value typically by just rehabbing. So you got to buy at a discount, right? period, right? And you should be because it's simple and you can learn for free at my free course and buy my book, right? These are, it's, it, the book is on Amazon, but the course is free. So was that number two or number? That was number two. Two. Buy at a yep. discount. Number three, add value and add at least the minimum amount of value that the bank is going to require to give you what's called an entrepreneurial credit. You guys may or may not even be aware of this, but this is new. Let's dive deep. I like that. This is good. Yeah. Yeah. In order to get a loan, and this is number three, in order to get a loan based on the appraisal and the appraisal only, you have to qualify for what your banker will, will, will most likely call or something similar to applying for or, or being approved for the entrepreneurial credit. Got it. And this is something that comes with, so this is kind of a three part, number three, right? Number one, you have to show them that you are, you know, responsible and that you can handle this and that you're professional, right? Number two, you have to show them that you did a extensive rehab and you have to spend at least X amount. And that number varies. I'm not going to throw a number out because in every market in every city, it, it's different. In St. Louis, where I live and invest, it's 15K. The bank doesn't want to lend on the appraisal only. Um, if you haven't spent at least 15K updating it, because look at the bank's perspective, they really own the house until you pay them in full. Right. So they're going to have to take the asset back. They want a nice one that's updated. So it's easy to sell. Right. Right. So what was I saying? Professionalism, experience, uh, minimum of X rehab, which in my case is 15K, um, and typically uh, seasoning. They want to see that it's been rented for one, two, three, maybe even six months. So when you start this process, again, start with the bank in mind, but in the beginning, they're going to want to see six months seasoning probably. So it's going to be a little bit slower to start. But once you get to 10 or 15 or 20 of these, they're going to reduce that seasoning down to two or three months. And when you get to 50, they're going to say, we don't need your seasoning anymore. Let's just give this guy as many loans as he wants because he knows what he's doing and he's never late on his payments and he pays all of his bills, right? I so think I guess that's number really four, important. Yeah. yeah, and I guess number four would just be be responsible, right? You have to understand that the banks will only lend you money if you're bankable. So make sure that you're bankable. Right. Right. And the only other thing that I can really think of that makes this so incredibly powerful, and I know you guys are drinking from a fire hose right now, but the, um, where was I going with this? Oh, the fact that when you use these local banks, 
that don't sell these, these loans off on the secondary market, they keep them, and they're called portfolio loans. The fact that they keep them in-house and the fact that they lend on the appraisal, not the purchase plus um, repairs, changes the entire game. And here's why. When you, when you lend on purchase and repairs, right, you're going to spend, you're going to borrow X and, and Y, purchase and rehab, put those two numbers together. They're going to equal another number. And if, and if you're getting a loan based on that, you're going to have to leave 20% roughly in that. So no matter what that number is, 20% stays. That's a lot. And it's going to slow you down, right? Yep. So by lending on the appraisal, you can build in that 20% value and not have to leave any of your money in. So that's a game changer when your banker will start lending you on the appraisal versus the, 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 the sum of the purchase and the repairs, right? Number two on this topic is when you have these local portfolio loans, um, they're going to be commercial loans and they're going to be lending them to an LLC typically with you and maybe your partners as personal guarantors. And that's okay, right? But the coolest part about these is these loans don't come due after the three or five year term. Instead, they renew. And this is where wealth is actually created, guys. Acquiring the asset is only half of it, right? And that's buying it with private money or hard money, rehabbing it, renting it, maybe waiting three to six months, then refinancing it. You're in it for hopefully none or a little amount. That's half the game, right? Yep. After three to five years, that, that loan is going to come due, right? But what, what you can do is you can get these loans that don't balloon. Instead, they renew. So if you're not familiar with what the difference between those is, this here, this part is where the wealth is created. And here's why and how. So when you get a loan, there's two, there's three things that really matter. Interest rate, let's start there. That's simple, right? You got a rate. Every loan is going to have a rate, fixed or variable. You're stupid to get variable with the record-breaking low rates we have. Lock right. it in, right? Yep. Number two is going to be your amortization table. And this determines what percentage of your payment goes to principal and interest. And these are typically over 20 or 25 years with commercial loans. Third is going to be the term of the loan. So all of our loans amortize over 20 years, but the term of the loan is three or five. So really the term just means is how long you're locking in the rate and how long the bank is going to let, is going to let this loan just kind of be paid and not be looked at until the end of the term. But at the end of the term, the bank's going to reevaluate not only the property and the borrower, but also the rate on the market. And they're going to want to try to rematch the rate to the market with what you're paying. So they're making sure they're making money too. So the coolest part about a renewal is A, it's cheap. It costs like 50 bucks, maybe a hundred bucks. Um, number two, it doesn't reset your amortization table. It just resets your interest rate. So let's think about this, guys. If we're doing, typically these loans are three years, you can buy them down for five or add another maybe quarter point to get a five-year term. But let's assume that we're using three-year loans with 20-year amortization. The interest rate's irrelevant, okay? Three years goes by. Well, typically if that loan ballooned, you'd have to go back to that bank or even another bank and get a brand new 20-year amortization loan with a brand new three-year term. Right. Well, you're never going to get wealthy and create any wealth in real estate doing that because 
if you're in the beginning of your amortization table, the highest amount of your payment is going to the interest, period. Right. It's just the way it works. 99% interest, 1% principal, that's usually day one of any loan. And as you get towards the end of the loan, it starts to even out. And once you get towards the end end of the loan, the majority of the payment goes to principal, right? Yep. So when the loan renews at year three, they just say, hey, we're going to give you another three-year loan or maybe even a five if you want to pay us a little bit. But we're not going to charge you a bunch of money to re-underwrite this. We're just going to look at your financials and make sure you've paid your taxes and you're not a criminal, right? And then we're yeah. going to give you a new rate for three to five more years. But the coolest freaking part, guys, is now I'm on year four. First the amortization term, table. Right? Now right. I'm on year four of 20. So you do this two or three times and you start to realize that the amount of the payment that's going to pay the house down versus just interest, which vanishes, right. it's higher and higher. Yep. So the real wealth in the birth strategy is a two-part thing. It's one, acquiring a lot of assets, but it's two, it's playing the game that will benefit you as the investor and not everybody else, right? So you got to get loans that renew. And you want to keep your amortization tables 20 to 25 years, get the loans that renew. And then that means that whenever the loan term expires, it doesn't mean that the amortization starts over. It just means, hey, let's reevaluate. And maybe, maybe every five to 10 years, they want an appraisal. Fine. Now you're paying 350 to 400. But how much does it cost to get a new loan? Two or three right. grand sometimes. So the costs to renew are so incredibly low. And if you build a relationship with your banker, which everybody needs to be doing now, like go meet 10 of them and let them know who you are and find out who they are. And, you know, they're going to want to keep your business. Here's why, guys. Put yourself in their shoes just, just for a minute. Banks don't make money when you go to deposit money in there, right? Let's say everybody we know goes to the same bank and they go deposit a thousand bucks. That bank just added a whole bunch of liability. Yep. They not only have to give you that money back on demand, but they got to pay an interest rate on it. So banks don't make money by having money deposited. They make money by taking that deposited money and arbitraging it by loaning it out. So yep. banks want to loan money. That's how they make money, right? So you got to go figure out who the local banks are, go meet them, go ask them for a loan. If they want to give you one, great. If they don't, don't be discouraged. You know, I still get denied from loans to this day. And I have 65 rentals and multiple millions of dollars of net worth. But it doesn't matter because some banks don't have an appetite for this type of lending. Or maybe markets shift and they may shift, right? Right. So if you walk into a bank and hopefully you walk into 20 in the next 30 days, if you're watching this and you want to build crazy amounts of wealth and you ask them, to give you a loan, you fill out all the applications, and when they tell you no, you get excited because boom, the relationship started. You're gonna <laughs> get told no. Now, guess what you got? You got yourself a free financial coach. Why? Because they get paid when they lend you money. So right. when you call them and email them, they're not gonna blow you off. They're gonna say, Dave, thank you so much for applying. Your debt to income's too high or your credit's too low. Fix these things. Boom, got it. Call them back in three months. Hey, credit went up 40 points. Debt to income dropped. Am I eligible? Yes? Great. No? Perfect. No problem. What else can I do? Help me. You got yourself a free coach. Coaches are not cheap. 
I charge four to five grand to coach people in real estate. You can get a free banking coach on any corner that has a bank. Just walk I in the front that. door. So you got to learn how to work with these people. You got to make sure that you meet the requirements. But if you don't, again, don't get discouraged. We have banks that will lend on four, five, six houses, and then they'll stop. They'll say, you guys are going Absolutely. too quick, or we got too many of these loans. Cool, no problem. Go you to know, a different let's, bank. let's reevaluate in three to five years when they're come due. I got 10 other banks that are dying to lend to me. And right. I got 10 others that I'm applying to constantly. I'm so loving you got to work on that. Said, because, uh, Jimmy, uh, if you remember, uh, we bought a nine unit about two years ago, and we had this uh, big fight between two portfolio lenders uh, in a good way. They were trying to get our business. So uh, the first bank, Jimmy, actually denied us four years ago and had all these reasons why they denied us. And uh, the second and Typically, bank, the reasons are, are kind of BS. Of it's really just they don't want to lend to you. But, you know, there's laws in place that require them to lend to you if you meet the requirements. So oftentimes they may even, and I don't mean to interrupt you, Frank, but oftentimes they may throw extra shit at you. Yep. And it's okay. Just get through them and then boom. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so what happened was is uh, they ended up uh, taking us out to dinner, offering us the best deal that we had ever seen. And uh, what happened, though, is that the other portfolio lender gave us a 30-year amortization with five-year resets, and it was only 200 basis points above. So we ended up uh, going with them. So uh, both banks really wanted us on that deal. You know awesome. the deal, Jimmy. And you might yeah. not even know that you have, you know, that loans can be renewed, too. Like, that's something that you can ask at the time of, uh, of, a, of a loan that may balloon. Ask if you can renew with your bank because it's less underwriting for them. Therefore, it's Heck less yeah. cost. And they don't typically want to lose your business. So they may push you to refi because you may not know how, how amortization tables work. But if you do right. call them out on it and say, nah, I want this to stay in the table, you know, let's do it. So again, it depends on the bank itself, but you want them to renew. Um, it's usually way cheaper it takes about 20 days or less sometimes, maybe a month, but it's kind of all done behind the scenes. And it's how wealth is actually built. If you are constantly paying 99 to 90%, somewhere in that range of your payment to interest, man, you can create wealth. I'm not saying you can't, but it's going to take you a long time and you're never going to get to making a hundred grand a month. At that rate, you might as well buy a, uh buy houses on credit cards you might as well absolutely so, so guys one of the biggest takeaways today um is something that i learned really early in my real estate investing career and that's that you need to focus on building wealth not getting rich right because wealth is a measure of free time not dollars and david shared a ton of that today so david we appreciate that um if somebody wanted to reach out to you what's the best way to get a hold of you absolutely guys absolutely so um my biggest and easiest place would probably be Instagram, I'm most active there. It's my full name, David Allen Dodge. A-L-A-N is the middle the middle part, David Allen Dodge. Instagram is my favorite. Go there for sure. Otherwise, if you guys want to learn how to wholesale real estate, you don't even need to buy my book. I wrote one. I got my second one coming out, which is actually called The Burr Strategy. We just finished the audio book up yesterday, so that'll be out awesome. in maybe about two, three weeks. But I'm not telling you to go buy these things because I don't even care. I'd rather give it to you for free. So you can go learn um, how to wholesale at freewholesalecourse.com. Super simple domain. There's one more thing I wanted to add. I had it and on then my I got mind three quick questions ago. after that. So go ahead. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. 
All right, Frank, fire, fire away. All right. Uh, besides your book, if someone wants to become a better investor, what's one quick thing you'd recommend? So that's, that's such a, a broad question, but I got a, I got a great answer for it. Yeah, Learn ahead. how to locate motivated sellers because it doesn't, perfect, you didn't define perfect. what kind of investor there, right? Now, obviously we're not talking about stocks and bonds. We're talking about real estate here, but you can do a lot of things in real estate and be an investor, right? So regardless, if you're not buying at a discount, you're, it's going to be difficult to be good at it. It's hard so to grow. Learn to buy at a discount. All right. Next question is, uh, what is, besides your book, what is uh, one book that you consider a must read for real estate? Rich Dad, Poor Dad, by, by far, guys. I mean, it's, 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 it's going to teach, it's going to change your mind a little bit. It's not even a real estate book, really. It's more of just like a mindset book. But yeah, I mean, it's so simple. I would start there because you won't, when you read that book, you're, you don't get into the weeds on how to do any of the real estate. It's actually really not a very good how-to book at all. Instead, it's more of a open your eyes to the fact that this exists. Now go figure out how to do it elsewhere. And that's where my book comes in. My I book love, is- I love Rich Dad for that. I mean, Rich Dad, is, Rich Dad is the how-to. It's not the how-do. That's what like my that. book does. My book is Rich the how-do, right? Rich Dad, Poor Dad, amazing. But it's really how-to. It doesn't tell you anything, though. It just says, this is possible, right? So- Great question. I always throw a curveball, and I I always say when they ask me a book, a rich dad book, I always say the Cash Flow Quadrant. Because it's a great one. I love that book. Yeah. Yep. Uh, final question: uh, What do you want to be when you grow up? Which means uh, five years from now, how do you see your life being different? Are we gonna do flamethrowers with the Corvettes, or what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> so I got sixty-five rentals in five years. I I will have hundred and fifty, no doubt. That. At that point in time, we'll be bringing in hopefully about 200K a month in rent. Now, that's not money, profit, right. cash profit. flow, none of that. It's gross. And, you know, maybe I'll be taking home 10 grand of that, maybe. But if I'm not, I don't even care. Um, I want to pay them all off. And I want, you know, $100,000 plus a month coming in passively. And this is a 20-year goal, guys. This isn't like 50 years or anything crazy. Maybe less. Actually, probably 17, 18 at this point. Like I've been doing this for a couple of years, right? Yep. Um, and really, I just love to travel. I love to ski. So I'll definitely have a, a small house out in the mountains in Colorado or Utah. And I love to just be by the water. So I'm sure I'll have a beach house too. And that's, that's it, guys. I like to teach this business. I don't want people to, to waste 10 years paying retail putting money into these properties like I did, you can learn it now. Like it's easy, right? So start with wholesaling. Eat, I shouldn't say that. Start with marketing to motivated sellers. And from there, you can decide if you want to wholesale or if you want to fix and flip or if you want to be a landlord. And to me, I hate being a landlord. But, but the coolest thing is, is you don't have to be a property manager to be a landlord. True. So let me rephrase. I hate managing property. I love being a landlord. I love it, right? But it doesn't mean that you have to be both. Right. You can hire somebody else to deal with the people. And that's what me and my partners have done. We don't want to deal with the people because we're too damn nice, right? And we'll give them everything and we'll not collect the rent and it just won't work. So we have a property manager who is nice but firm. And he makes sure that we collect the rent because this isn't a charity. It's a business. And if they have any issues with the property, that's where we come in. 
We turn them, we fix them, we keep them clean and maintained. And if they do have a problem, we're there, right? But when we're there, they don't know we're the owners. They think we work for the property managers. They have no idea, right? So that's what we do. We deal with the property and the finances and we let somebody else deal with the people. And if you're really trying to be strategic about growing fast and using Burr, you're gonna be wearing a lot of hats, guys. You're gonna be wearing the, the direct to seller marketing hat. You're gonna be running, you're gonna be wearing the running appointment hat and making offers hat. You're gonna be wearing the deal with private lenders or hard money lenders hat. You're gonna be dealing with re- renovations and rehabs and permits. Now we have a lot of strategic people that do all of these very well. But if you are new and you're a one man show or a small team, these are all the things that have to be done, right? So you gotta renovate permits, uh, inspections. Then you have to lease, which is a whole different beast. And then you have to manage that property. And then you have to have uh, banking relationships to refinance, which requires taxes, and personal financial statements and a You're lot of the business and a lot of paperwork. Right. Yeah. So there, right. I'm not saying that it's easy. That's, that's, that's really not what I'm saying. However, I think I've said this 10 times. It's simple. It's not yeah. that complicated, right? It's, it's difficult by all means. Anybody can do it though, guys. I'm not that bright at all. Love that. Forget my name sometimes. Right. <laughs> but, but the processes are simple. So so, you know, I've just basically laid them all out. So rewatch this episode or listen to this and just write them down. So in the beginning, you are going to be the president and CEO of every one of those jobs. And as you start scaling, you'll find somebody that can get really good at maybe working with inspectors and, and working with contractors. So then, boom, you remove yourself from that seat. And then eventually you're going to find somebody that's like, hey, I'll, I'll handle all the banking contacts for, you know, and do all the paperwork. Just, let, just get me what I need when I need it. Cool. But you do all the emails and the refis and the signing, and you can eventually start removing yourself from this. And then you're basically just playing chess. And you're sitting back saying, I want to buy that one. You know, go. And then I, I got somebody that handles not only the closing coordination, but also the private lenders. So I don't even have to go ask anymore to get a loan short term because, they know I've done it 50 times. Oh, that's what I wanted to talk about earlier. I know we're going long here, but um, as you get experience and you start showing people that you know what you're doing and you are capable of doing it, a couple cool things happen. One, banks start wanting to lend you money, like you said, Frank. Right. Right. Two, you can start negotiating with the banks and saying, hey, I'm not asking for anything crazy, but this guy's offering me this rate. And you're offering me this rate. If you want my business, beat it or make it renewable. Come on, think outside the box here. You know, maybe right. um, you give me a five-year term instead of a three-year term without buying it down or extra cost. How bad do you want my business? So lots of advantages can happen from the experience. Also, you'll have private lenders that start approaching you saying, hey, put my money to work because you're making all this money for these other people. So we have a surplus of private funds that, and we don't want to go crazy and go buy too many properties and take on risk, but we have more private funds than we need typically. Right. And all of these things just come with time and experience. I've been doing this five years, maybe six full time. That's not that long right. to have great banking relationships to have more money than I know what to do with in terms of the private capital. I don't go to hard money lenders. I go to private lenders because they're a little cheaper, but it's the same thing. Right. They just don't do it professionally typically. It's 
it's a dentist or it's a doctor or it's a lawyer that I know that has money or a lot of my private lenders are just older real estate investors that like their money in real estate. That's all my They guess. don't want to get off the couch and go do it. They want to see me do it and they want to like my shit on social media because they see where their money's at. So it all Absolutely. goes full, it all goes full circle guys. It's that full circle wealth building. Yeah. Principle. So I know that we went long, but I'm so passionate about wholesaling and buying rental properties and building wealth. It's so simple. It's not easy, but it is incredibly simple. And literally you can learn in this book or any other real estate related book in two to 300 pages, how it all works. Like I'm not hiding anything. I basically gave you the entire floor plan. Now, one last thing before you guys wrap up. 50 burrs in the last 15 months, right? Well, it took me a year or two to just learn the burr strategy, which I just taught in 35 minutes. It took me another year to get the financing in place, right? And then it took me about 10 to 15 properties to get my all-in cost below five grand. So I just, I just said, you know, I'm going to just go full throttle, you know, head down and I'm going to ram and I'm going to make a ton of mistakes. and I'm going to learn as I go. And I suggest that you guys do the same. However, learn, you know, learn these things from the get go. Like don't wait a year basically. And that's what I did to go build banking relationships. Do it now. Right. Because then when you hit the ground, you're running, you're not walking. And I can promise you one last thing here, guys, I can promise you this. If you don't give up and you stay committed and you keep doing this, not only will it get easier, but you're going to get better at it. And all the pieces are going to just start to fall together and it's going to seem like luck, but it's not. It's experience. Absolutely. So what do those pieces look like? Private lenders, finding good deals and having banks that want to refi you out and they just fall together, but you got to work hard to go do those things too. So that's it guys. Thanks for having me. We appreciate you. you coming on, sharing all the wealth building strategies, particularly how, how you raise private capital and how it all falls together in the end. So for our listeners, we hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Cashflow Kings podcast. In the meantime, uh, feel free to give us a follow on Instagram or on Facebook where we post daily content under the handle The Cashflow Kings or check out our website at cashflowkings.com. Cheers to your success. The Cashflow Kings program is for basic entertainment purposes only. We do not give official legal, tax, or investment advice.